0: Did you know that in the 1800s, the average American consumed 4.5 kilograms of sugar a year? Yeah. Now, the average American, actually, do you want to guess how much the average average American consumes sugar-wise now?
1: 20 kilos?
0: 45 kilos of sugar a year.
1: Welcome back to the In-Situ Health and Fitness Podcast we have helped hundreds of people reach their goals and this podcast is a chat about the journey along the way teachable moments and topics we think will help you reach your goals as well if we haven't met before my name is jack i'm the pt and joining me is my partner mac she is the nutrition coach and soon-to-be psychologist if i was to ask you what the best core exercise was so what is the best exercise to shape or sculpt your midsection what would you say
0: i don't think i could pick one why not because there's so 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 many core exercises it's okay so if i had to do one core exercise
1: no re- so yeah. in context so we know like if you want to build a good booty mm. or a plump bump Is that what the kids are calling them these days? You know you have to do a deadlift or a hip thrust or some sort of split squat variation, and that will help build your glutes, which gives you a good-looking butt. If you want to build shoulders, you know you need to do a shoulder press, whether it's with barbell, dumbbells, that sort of stuff, and you build bigger shoulders. So if you want to build a better-looking, like, because there's hundreds of different shoulder exercises you can do to build shoulders, but there's only a certain few that actually work the best. So what would you say the best core exercise is in that instant?
0: Okay, the first two that came to my mind, deadlifts for some reason and hanging leg lowers. They're the first two that I thought of.
1: Nice, good guess. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> um, I would say deadlift, no, we'll, get, we'll go into it in a while, uh, in a second. I just want to bring this up because last weekend I went kiteboarding in the surf for the first time. Um, And uh, kiteboarding, you need a harness, then the kite hooks onto the harness. Now the harness actually put a lot of pressure on my core. Like as the kite pulled up, the harness would turn into my belly, I guess you could say, and my core was pressing out against it. So for the last couple of days, I've had a really sore core. But that doesn't mean I've built muscle or a better looking core. I just had that thought because a lot of people go for that sore, soreness thinking they're building a good looking midsection because it's sore, but it's not actually true. So there's certain exercises you need to do to build a good core. Now, obviously, um, little disclaimer, you need to have a certain body percentage, fat body percentage to actually see your core muscles. That's a whole nother topic. If you actually want visible abs, you need to drop your body fat percentage down. And that is different for everybody. I can't just say 15% is gonna work for everybody. Everybody's different. But there's certain exercises you need to do to um, actually sculpt and have a good looking core. And just from the kiteboarding on the weekend, being so sore, it just made me realize, you know, just because it's sore doesn't mean it's building and it's gonna look good.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so um, hanging leg raise is actually one of the best exercises you can do
0: why because it does not just like one like not just your lower abs say like it does more of your whole midsection Mm. or and you have to try and hold your belly in while you're hanging rather than just arching your back right so
1: there's a lot going on all of the above so any exercise that sends muscle through range is going to build muscle. So that's that's a little, I guess, the biggest takeaway you can take away from it. So let's talk about a bicep curl. Everybody knows a bicep curl. Um, The full, like full extension, all like extend your arm out straight, squeezing your tricep, that part there, and just a little bit up is what builds the most muscle. The rest, yeah, builds muscle, but it's that full extension. So any exercise, that you can extend your body out into and send your core through the most range possible is going to build the most muscle. Mm. So again, all I had on the weekend was a harness around my belly, but because it caused so much pressure on my core, it was very sore and I wasn't used to it obviously, but I'm not building muscle in any way. So I see a lot of people doing planks and plank variations and these static holds. And it might give you a sore core, but it's not actually building muscle because you're not sending your midsection through any range. Is that making sense? Yeah. Um, now, technique comes into it a lot as well. So let's go back to the hang, hanging leg raise. For those that don't know, I want you to imagine a pull up bar. So you jump up, hold onto the pull up bar, and you're at a dead hang. So your feet aren't actually touching the ground. From that position there, you lift your toes up and try and get them to the bar. Where your hands are holding on to, and lower them back down. Now, CrossFitters are going to say, "Well, Jack, I do hundreds of those a week, <laughs> Toter bars," but you're not actually using your core if you're using momentum, and that's where a lot of people get unstuck. Especially with sit-ups and other core variations like that, people generally swing a lot, or you know, try and throw themselves up out of the. Um,
0: from the ground. From the
1: ground, bringing their shoulders up in a crunch position, all that sort of stuff. So if you're on that dead hang, hanging from the bar, doing a leg raise, I want you to suck your belly in before you even lift your toes up. So suck your belly in, hold it nice and tight, pull down on the bar so you've done a little bit of a pull down so your shoulders are active as well. And without swinging, without any movement, only your core will lift your legs up. And I bet you can't do it without momentum and that's that full range that dead hang coming right up is sending your core through the most range possible which is a really good exercise to build your core and build a good looking core Um, again i just want to bring this up because a lot of people get that wrong and they'll do planks they'll do what's um, like
0: russian twists
1: russian twists yeah Um, so again russian twist a, a very popular one Again, these aren't bad exercises. Plank and Russian twists aren't bad exercises. They are gonna build strength within your core. Then you're just not gonna build good looking muscles within your core. Um, a Russian twist, you just go on side to side and it's not much range. Mm. So you're not really going real fast. So again, you're not really building muscle. Um, what else?
0: that is not a full range motion Yeah, that you
1: see all the time oh
0: like single leg lowers just laying leg lowers in general i feel like they're very common
1: leg lowers aren't too bad again because you're sending your core through a little bit more range than just say a crunch or something like that yeah so again as much range as possible but then like a leg lower might be enough for somebody because they can't actually control their core so they Mm. can't hold it nice and tight and do a leg lower A lot of people get back pain when they do leg lowers and that's only because they can't hold their core up. So again, bit of, bit of technique and control in there.
0: What about, um, those ab wheels? See, I feel like I can do ab wheels for probably more reps than I can do leg lowers. But I think the thing that prevents me from doing enough leg lowers is my grip. Mm. Like I can't, hold on
1: leg raises <laughs>
0: leg raises yeah, yeah and
1: that but that's just another thing to bring into it like some people can't even hang from the bar because mm. their shoulders won't allow it so for those people it just hang from the bar and this this is where you've got to be patient so if you can't even hang from a bar and you want to do leg lowers to build a good looking core or a good looking midsection it might take you two months just to be able to hang from the bar mm. then it might take you another three months to build the strength just to lift your legs up then it might take another three months for your body to adapt to that, to, so it starts building muscle. All of a sudden, we're talking, you know, six to eight months down the track before you can actually do the exercise. Most people won't take the time to do it, and they'll just go back to their crunches and their planks and their booty, uh, their core exercise they find on YouTube, yeah. without actually taking the time to do the proper exercises they need to build the core.
0: So. If like someone that's listening to this that can't hang from the bar, say they were to add in like, I don't know, building up to a minute hang at the end of their or the start of their program and what core exercise would you recommend so that they can eventually do leg raises?
1: So if they can't hang? Yeah. um, I'm about to post a video today about it. So go to my social media, wherever you follow me, make sure you watch that reel. Um, It's actually hanging progressions because that is really good for your shoulders anyway. Um, I would like, lay down on the ground, on your back, looking up at the ceiling, extend your arms out, extend your legs out as far as you can, and then sit up, bring your arms up and your legs up at the same time into a V, so it's called a V-up, without any motion. So it's the same position, you're just taking out the bar and you're just laying it on the ground. Mm. Yeah. So you want to lift your your hands and your feet up together, but a lot of people will swing up and use momentum to get them up there. And as soon as you start doing that, you're not using your muscles. So slow control. You might not even be able to do it to start with. So you might have to start with one arm and one leg just because it's less pressure on your body. Or you might be able to start with your legs and just do leg levels, get strong at leg levels, then add your hands in, that sort of stuff. You've just got to stretch your body out and do as much as you can. Yeah. dragon flags I didn't I didn't mention them at the start because a lot of people don't know what they are but just a quick little google search of a dragon flag is probably one of the best ones so you hold on to something behind your head laying on the ground and you hold on to that and lift your whole body off the ground so oh yeah yeah you back like you hold on to a pole
0: or something mm. yeah
1: um, so the only thing that touching the ground at the top is your upper shoulders yeah. and you slowly lower back down Again, a lot of people use momentum for that one as well, but try not to use momentum. So um, yeah, look up those. If you type in in situ leg lowers or in situ V-ups or in situ dragon flags, a video of, uh, of me doing Actually. them should come up.
0: <laughs> in YouTube.
1: Yeah, um, or just into Google, it should come up. So search those ones. Just think about the core exercises you're doing like, I know we all go for that soreness in the core and go, yes, my fat's burning away. I'm going to have abs <laughs> this summer. And it's not actually true. You've got to choose your exercises wisely to build a good-looking core. And that's the same with anything else. Like, if you want to build bigger shoulders or better-looking butt, you've got to choose your exercises properly. Otherwise, you're just doing all this junk volume and you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. You just think you are because you're getting that burn.
0: So why do things like, um, what are they called, like mountain climbers? I feel like they're a popular ab workout. Why do they cause, like I find that they hurt my abs more, like you said, not necessarily working my abs, but they still hurt my abs more than leg lowers. Is it because I can't necessarily hold on to the bar for long enough to get enough reps in
1: yeah so you think of a mountain climber just you're in that plank position let's talk about a plank first so just holding a plank properly is hard a lot of people think they can hold these two three minute planks but they have just got shit form
0: Mm.
1: if you want to know how to do a plank again in situ plank (laughs) and there's a good demo video of mac and i giving you an example of how to actually hold a plank and when you do a plank properly it's hard to hold for Longer than thirty seconds to a minute, because you're actually doing it properly and engaging your core. Now that's what. Now, if you start moving your legs, you're just moving your legs. Mm -hmm. You're still holding a plank. It's still it's still technically a plank. You're not actually using your um, core to bring your legs in. You're using hip flexors, so it's more of a leg exercise with a plank. So it's again, it's hard to hold a plank. So your core is going to fatigue. Yes, you're going to build strength in that position over time and get a stronger core, but it's not actually building muscle. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Because it's not going in any full range of motion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you're still building strength and at planks or mountain climbers or any sort of plank variation seems hard and it does fatigue your core and you feel like, oh, that's burning. Mm. But it's not actually building muscle in those positions.
0: Yeah. Because it it's funny because I feel like the, the burning sensation you get when you train abs is different to any other muscle group because it's not that often that you do an exercise that puts it in full range of motion like a bicep curl. You know what yeah. I mean? Like those two, working each of those muscle groups feels completely different.
1: Yeah, and again, it's hard to isolate your muscles in certain exercises like you can do isolation exercise on your core. and It feels like it's burning. You can do isolation, isolation bicep curls and you get that same burn. Um, it's similar to like the uh, booty workouts. Like,
0: oh, like the booty bands and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: if you just search booty workouts on YouTube, you get hundreds and it's just a Matt and this girl doing fire hydrants and leg kicks and all that sort yeah. of stuff. You get a very severe burn in your glutes it's actually your smaller muscles that are burning because they do, again, good exercises do, but it's not actually going to build you a good booty because you're not sending a leg through any range. Mm-hmm. So those fire hydrants, yes, your legs going for a little bit of range, but nothing like a deadlift. But That's the most range possible. So you're going to build, if you want to build a booty, you need to do, be doing deadlifts or something that sends your glutes through range, not just little leg lowers and butt kicks and stuff like that yeah range is what builds good-looking muscles you again you will build strength with those uh, with those exercises those little booty exercises but not muscle yeah so range equals muscle um but you can still build strength of all those other exercises but you just won't build muscle yeah make sense yeah What is up, everybody? Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, you are going to love our guides and ebooks. Mac has put them all in the one spot so you can easily find the guide that will help you achieve your goals. There is over 15 to choose from. So, no matter what your goal is, we've got you covered. Losing weight, building muscle, shopping guides, meal plan templates, recipe books, hormone guides, everything you need to know about your menstrual cycle. And for the guys, I have written an ebook, Raising Your Testosterone Naturally. So make sure you hit the shop link below and find what guide will help you achieve your goals. So either hit the link below or go to wwwin forward slash shop. That is www.in-situ forward slash shop.
0: Did you know that in the 1800s, the average American consumed 4.5 kilograms of sugar a year that's pretty small right
1: it's tiny
0: 4.5 yeah now the average american actually do you want to guess how much the average average american consumes sugar wise now per year
1: 4.5 kilos was back in the 1800s yeah i'm going to say 20 kilos
0: Forty-five kilos of sugar a year. Ah,
1: That's a small person.
0: (laughs) But yeah, literally, that's a child. Shit. (laughs) That's a lot of sugar, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: That's a lot of sugar. Uh, So I came across this study that I found extremely interesting about artificial sweeteners and sugar, and that was just one of the statistics that they used in the introduction to compare, like how big of a problem sugar is now Mm. um but yeah the moral of the study was that artificial sweeteners actually don't send the same signal to the brain that sugar sends to the brain right which i thought was not true i thought it was like a similar effect so i think that the whole reason artificial sweeteners came on the market was because They're less calories Mm -hmm. and they came out in an attempt to like replace sugar, right?
1: Yeah. So it still tastes like sugar, but there's no calories.
0: Yeah. But I think the reason that they somewhat failed because people don't choose to go for artificial sweeteners unless they've made like a conscious decision to try and be healthier or lose weight, right? It's not like people are drawn towards them in the same way that they're drawn towards sugar. Mm. You don't go out like looking for something that has artificial sweetness in it, like you don't crave it the same way you crave sugar. And now I understand why. So the study had a group of mice and the mice had the option of drinking like a sugar solution or water and they like primarily chose to drink the sugar solution always rather, rather than the water. But then they also did on a separate group of mice, either the sugar solution or an artificial sweetener. Mm. And for 24 hours of monitoring the mice, they went back and forth between the artificial sweetener and the sugar. So there was like not really any difference. And and they assumed that like they must have a similar neurological effect in your stomach. Mm. But then after 48 hours, the mice were primarily choosing the sugar solution. Even though both the solutions were sweet, and you wouldn't be able to tell, like there's no, mice can't read, there's no sign that says this one's sugar and it has calories and this one's artificial sweeteners and it has no calories. So then they were like, well, what's happening? Why are the mice choosing the sugar, even though it tastes the same as the artificial sweetener? And it actually has nothing to do with taste. So for the longest time, we have always thought that the reason humans are like so drawn to sugar is one, because it is calorie dense, like it's very fast energy, but two, because it tastes so good, mm. right? Um, but now it seems that that isn't the only case. So, what happens when you ha- ingest actual sugar is the neurons in your gut tell your brain that we have sugar, this is great, we feel great, go find more sugar. Whereas artificial sweeteners don't activate the same neurons in your gut. So you eat the sugar and it tastes great, but your gut doesn't tell your brain that it's fast energy and it's rewarding. So your brain doesn't actively seek seek it it out.
1: out. Yeah, right.
0: Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah.
0: So I guess like we, I think in the past have been like artificial sweeteners are bad and I don't like, I still don't recommend consuming them um but i think for someone that struggles with like over consuming sugar then it's actually a like a good i guess it can be a good swap but the thing is you're still going to crave sugar Mm. even if you are swapping to these chemicals which are artificial sweeteners you're not actually addressing the problem which is your gut screaming at your brain saying we need sugar down here right yeah um, yeah, so I don't know. I just thought that that was like, it's all about our gut rather than just the taste of things. And I think that I was talking to a client about it this week. If you can actually just add things into your diet that lessen your desire for sugar, like I think we've spoken about adding protein in your diet mm. will lessen like your guts, your guts telling your brain that we need sugar. So I think... I don't know, maybe artificial sweeteners aren't actually the answer that we thought that they were, aren't the solution we, that we thought they were. Um, and rather than swapping sugar out, I think adding in foods like protein would be way more beneficial.
1: Yeah. I just want to Google how many calories in 40, 44 kilos,
0: 45 kilos per annum. The other thing that is kind of off topic but I found really interesting that was in the discussion of this study was they mentioned how like the first for the first time in history we are experiencing malnutrition due to overnutrition rather than undernutrition. So people are experiencing malnutrition even though they are consuming too many calories. And that just goes to show how bad our food like the food is yeah because all of these processed foods have no nu- nutri- nutritional benefit
1: and and I, I can't stress that enough like how like for pretty much all humanity most of the population was in malnutrition because they didn't have access to enough food mm-hmm. and enough diversity of food now we have access to food everywhere any kind of food anytime you want and you, there's still mal, malnutrition like people aren't getting enough nutrients yeah. they need to grow a normal healthy body Yeah. Right, so I looked it up how many calories do you think is in 45 kilos of sugar
0: I, I've got absolutely no idea it's got to be in the tens of thousands <laughs> more yep go on
1: 175,000 calories.
0: Just of sugar. No wonder we're malnourished.
1: (laughs) So for everybody listening, the average intake for a normal person should be around, I guess, I don't know, 2,000 to 2,500 calories per day. Yeah. So let's go 175 divided by um, 365. So basically 500 grams of sugar a day. Wow. The average person is eating.
0: And you know what? Like a lot of- 500
1: calories of sugar a day.
0: So that's like a quarter of their intake for some people. You know what else is, is like people might not realize is that even if you say, I don't have a sweet tooth, I don't really eat like lollies or chocolate and stuff like that. If you're eating packaged food you are eating sugar yeah like there is no doubt about it and even though you can't taste it i just told you that that is insignificant it doesn't matter if you can taste it or not if your gut is absorbing it and then your brain is going to tell you to keep getting it that's just how like is how it works like
1: but not not (laughs) only packaged food takeaway yeah i know i tell this to one of my clients all the time and i know he's listening (laughs) so even takeaway food has sugar in it. I don't care what you say. Like, Even if Subway, they make the, the stuff right in front of you, you don't know exactly what is in the meats, the sauces, all the breads. There is sugar in all the stuff because they know that your brain is going to want to come back and get more of it just because it was a little bit sweet and it had that sugar in it.
0: And you got rewarded. Your gut rewarded you yeah. for having that sugar
1: your gut makes that connection so you're like well it's healthy there's salad in front of me I'm doing something healthy but all of a sudden your brain's still getting that kick of sugar so you've got a double basically yes it's good for me you're getting a double hit of yes you've done well but it's actually not yeah I can't stress that enough take even though you think it's good for you people do all sorts of stuff to food in takeaway places restaurants all those sort of places to make it taste better. Because not, they
0: want you to come back. <laughs>
1: and they want it to taste good because if you go to a takeaway joint or a restaurant or anywhere, eat out, and it tastes bad, you're not going to go back. Mm. They, you, when you go through your apprenticeship to be a chef, they teach you how to cook delicious food. Delicious does not equal healthy. No. It's the complete opposite. And that is where a lot of people are getting unstuck, I reckon.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's it, like, yeah, it's so hard to know because like the food regulations and rules are so vague. Like people don't have to advertise everything mm. that they are giving you.
1: Yeah. And th- those 500 calories that we're saying that everybody's eating extra in sugar each day, you probably don't even know that you're eating it because yeah. it's not advertised in the packaging or it's not advertised in the restaurant. Like they, like Mac just said, they don't have to tell you. Mm that's it, very vague and they can have up to what twenty five percent
0: inaccuracy in packaged food yeah yeah
1: so if you're eating a couple of packaged foods a day twenty five twenty five twenty five like they can go to the lower end and I reckon they do it most of the time because they're allowed to
0: yeah absolutely
1: that starts adding up massively
0: yeah so I think maybe my advice if you feel like you struggle with like sugar cravings which I I forget that it's so common because we have worked on it so much and we just mm. don't eat it anymore. Mm. And honestly, the only way that you can stop your sugar cravings is by reducing your sugar intake. Every time you have sugar and your gut says to your brain, this is great, we've got energy, your brain is going to seek out more sugar. Yep. So it's going to, like, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. You can't just turn around tomorrow probably and stop eating sugar, but just... Every time you eat sugar, you are rewarding that behavior internally and externally.
1: Yeah. And we talked about this last week or week before about how foods may not be addictive, but you can get addicted to certain foods. Yeah. Like, like I said, the Subway example of it actually being healthy because it looks healthy and you can see the salad in front of you, but it's still full of sugar and other things. Like you can get addicted that way thinking that it's healthy and then you like go back each time. And you just build that habit of thinking, oh, that's healthy food. But again, like we spoke about in that last episode about breaking those habits and understanding it, it takes time. It, Mac and I, like, we are still not perfect. And we have been working on this for several years. Long time. like Four
0: years at least.
1: Yeah, I'd say Five. longer for me. Six. I don't know. Um, and... It's not going to happen overnight and you're going to all of a sudden, you know, eat all this food that you've been trying to avoid. It happens. Get over it. Learn why it happened and try and implement ways so to overcome it next time so you don't gorge yourself on all these foods. Yeah. Um, just give yourself a break but work on it. That's all I'm saying. Don't, don't think it's going to happen overnight or going to just all of a sudden change.
0: Like th- if you think about it in like – a wider perspective you've probably spent the last five to ten probably maybe even more for some people years um, like reaffirming this connection between your gut and your brain and the neurons in your brain and every time you do it you just like re- like what's the word for strengthening it you're just strengthening the connection mm. every time so obviously it's going to take some time for you to change the connection that happens
1: Yeah, and I know a lot of, like, the kids growing up now are going to be at extreme risk of all sorts of bad diseases in another 20 years. So kids that are five now are going to be very sick by the time they're 25. Yeah. Because it is in in everything. And a lot of the parents that are, you know, 35 to 40 that have these kids go, well, you know, my mum and dad grew up on eating this sort of stuff, but they did not have the amount of sugar and processed food in their diets yeah now even let's say a muesli bar yes our parents probably had muesli bars when they were kids but even if you go back and look look up the statistics on those sorts of foods there is more sugar in them now than Mm. there is than there was 50 years ago well
0: imagine what the muesli bars 50 years ago looked like like there was definitely no lcms back then yeah there was but
1: but even cereals we've spoken about how cereals started off to be a bland thing and yes our parents grew up eating cereals but there wasn't sugar in them back then. They were just wheat. They were designed to stop young males from masturbating.
0: Oh that's right.
1: So it was designed to be bland food to keep the boys bland so they didn't get aroused but now it's complete opposite. So the kids eating cereal now are not the same as what they were 50 years ago. I yeah. just can't stress that enough. A lot of parents go oh no it's fine. fine. My, my parents ate it, I ate it but My kids are eating it now, but it's not the same food. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. And um, just to finish off, I just got one sort of listener question or conversation that I want to go over. Goes into the whole thing of um, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, So calling my sister out, I had a conversation with my sister. Um, We talked about a couple of things. First one was creatine. She was worried that creatine was going to make her fat because it puts on weight. Now, I've spoken about how creatine is so good for you. Creatine gives you energy, good for your brain function, good for your cell function, just really good for your body. Don't, when I say this, don't trust me on it. You can go and look it up and you'll find all these studies with no downside. So there's no downside to creatine, but only upside. why not take it?
0: Yeah, I spoke about it in relation to brain health too in a fair chunk in last week's
1: mm, episode, solo by episode. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, So creatine, one of the best supplements you can have. I'd strongly recommend doing your own research and adding it into your diet. Now, yes, it does put weight on because it help, helps your body retain water. Now, water isn't fat. Mm-hmm. You can't get fat from having water on your body. And generally the water is stored within your muscles. So if anything, it's gonna make your muscles look, I don't know, better. Swole. Not swole, but just give your muscles more definition. definition. Yeah. So it's not actually gonna put fat on your body. Weight doesn't equal fat. And that's, again, a lot of people get that mixed up. And my sister got that mixed up. So weight doesn't equal fat. Um, Weight can equal um, just water. But then like generally people will start weight training and all that sort of stuff that helps retain that will make you retain water as well. Over the time your bones get stronger all that sort of stuff so you're going to weigh more. So weight doesn't equal fat. I can't stress that enough. And And it's
0: not even creatine that is going to affect your weight well on the topic of weight doesn't equal fat. But like If you eat more carbs one day than the next and you have creatine, you're going to hold more water. Mm. If you are in a certain phase of your menstrual cycle, you're going to hold more water. If you slept like crap, you're going to hold more water. If you're stressed, you're going to hold more water. Like it's not just creatine that causes your body to hold more water. It just does it in your muscles, but there's so many other lifestyle factors that also have the same effect.
1: Yeah. And um, if you take creatine consistently at most... Some extreme cases, I think it's like one and a half percent of water. Like, So if you're a 100 kilos, which I'm around 100 kilos at the moment, and I consistently take creatine, I know that that creatine is adding maybe a kilo to my body weight. But it's just a consistent number now because mm-hmm. I consistently take creatine. So yes, when you first go on it, your weight might fluctuate, but over time, it's just part of your body. So it's not like... Yeah, you know, matters. Yeah. Um, cool.
0: Did you have anything else that came out of that conversation? Because you said firstly.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, second was just about sleep. We just like she's starting to do all these changes, and I said you can do all these changes. You can add all this healthy food in. Yeah, you can add creatine in. You can exercise all this sort of stuff. But if your sleep is up, uh, is shit, then it's pointless, mm-hmm. and you're going to get disappointed with your results. So I said to her, focus on your sleep first. And one of the things she said was, it's hard to go to bed early. And I said, well, why is it hard to go to bed early? And, a lot of, and it, I generally just wanted to know because I guess that is a very common thing for yeah. a lot of people, going to bed early. And she, you- she did say, when I go to bed early, I don't fall asleep.
0: Mm.
1: And I said, yeah, and you won't. And a lot of people won't. And they're like, well, well, that doesn't work, so I won't go <laughs> to bed early. But consistency, consistency. So your body isn't going to change its sleep routine in one night. It might take you two weeks of going to bed at nine o'clock before your body goes, okay, well, this is a new bedtime. I'm going to get sleepy at this time. There's a lot involved, and you can't just go, well, I'll try eight o'clock, ten o'clock. Like you've got to be consistent with that bedtime for your body to get used to it.
0: Yeah. I am just going to use like a, a real life example of our life in relation to going to bed early. We've been watching Game of Thrones lately and we usually would turn the TV off at like 8, 8.30 and read or just fluff around, you know mm. what I mean, but not watch TV or we would turn it off at like quarter to nine, like 15, 20 so before we go to bed And we but we've been watching like some sort of, slow-paced comedy kind of show, like Modern Family or something like that. And now we've been watching Game of Thrones for the past, I don't know, Mm month-ish. And it's intense. Like, it's very... Like, it's it's an intense show. There's lots of guts and fighting and...
1: Dragons and... Dragons White Walkers. ...and
0: suspense and... There's a lot going on. And because it's so addictive and the episodes are so long, the past three nights this week, we have been watching the episode until it finishes... And usually when it gets to 8.30 or quarter 9, I'm like, turn it off quickly. But like, I'm so hooked right now on it. And we've just been going to bed as soon as it finishes. So we'll watch it until like quarter past nine, turn it off and go to bed. Mm. And I have been sleeping like crap. I can't fall asleep. I can't stay asleep. I have bad dreams. And it's all because we are still watching TV. Like, it's only like a half an hour, 15 minute difference Mm. that we've added. But... I think that that's something people just forget to consider. If you're consuming some sort of entertainment that is like very stimulating and then you're like, okay, bedtime, and you roll over and put your phone on the bedside table, of course you can't fall asleep. Yeah. Like, of course you can't. Your brain is like waiting for the next thing or looking for the next thing to happen. So yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I've learned my own lesson this week.
1: Yeah. And again, it's just a matter of learning and changing and trying to be consistent with that. Obviously hopefully soon we finish Game of Thrones and we go back to our normal lifestyle and get some better sleep.
0: Yeah.
1: But don't just go, oh, that doesn't work. Like consistently work on it. You, you've got to keep working on these healthy habits for something to start changing. You can't just do it once or twice. Just like it, like eating a healthy meal once a week isn't going to make you healthy. Yeah. Consistently eating healthy meals every day is going to make you healthy. Awesome. Let's leave it there. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.